Could Utah make more by staying in the Pac-12 rather than going to the Big 12? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, that's LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, all caps, no spaces, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. So make sure you guys head over to Bird Dogs to get in on that great offer. My name is JT Wichita, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined by the host of Locked On Pac-12, Spencer McLaughlin, to talk conference realignment and Pac-12 media rights deal, the kind of driving force of all off-season conversation. And today's topic, Spencer, is can Utah make more by staying in the Pac-12 rather than leaving for the Big 12? For a while, that's something that didn't seem likely, but based on a recent support put out by John Canzano, there's been sources quoted in that piece that Canzano put out that said they the Pac-12 believes they will beat the Big 12 numbers. And those come from sources within the Pac-12. And I think it, at first this kind of seemed crazy to hear that number. Like just like, oh, because so long, not so long ago, it just seemed like there was no way the Pac-12 was going to beat the number. But then you hear some of the details. And Canzano does a great job laying it out. I encourage all of you to subscribe to um, his site and read up more on it. But overall, the Big 12s per, per school um, the amount each school will get per year is $31.6 million. So can the Pac-12 beat that? Well, the recent reports project the Pac-12 kind of that 32 to $34 million per year overall. And I, that's based on what's said. And I think there's a chance they can. When you look at the potential they have with the Pac-12 network and having the chance to be able to pair that with some of the stuff to put it to more consumers. We've talked a little bit before about direct the whole direct TV th- thing with the old Pac-12 and how that kind of affected their ability to just not have as many eyeballs on it. That's something that can be turned around with this new deal. So based on them being able to include that into a package to whichever, maybe it's a streaming service buys that, that allows them to make more money off that. We know that 7.30 Pacific time slot has a lot of value as well and even when you add in like kind of the data rights and just the ability to kind of track the ticketing and all those other things like that i think there is a realistic path here for spencer for utah and the other pac-12 members to get to a number that's higher on a per year basis than what the big 12 is paying their members so it's not impossible no is it likely that depends on why exactly the media deal has been held up all this time because some deadlines have been created by media members or people online or you know podcast hosts or or, or what have you where you know they say oh like you got to have it done by this day and it's not done oh they missed the deadline it's like well no one actually gave you a deadline yeah. that was just you know a prognostication that somebody made and it didn't come to pass but there have been multiple instances in which presidents and or athletic directors have said We feel confident that we're going to get a deal. It's in its final stages. We expect it to be done by X, Y, and Z. There was a late March that was thrown out there because in the middle of March, I believe it was Kirk Schultz of Washington State. And I'm trying to track this stuff in my head as best I can. There have been a lot of these, but I think I've got them down pretty well. 
The Pac-12 was going to have a deal by the end of March because Kirk Schultz said, we're a few weeks away, right? It'll be done in the next couple weeks. And I think Ray Anderson of Arizona State, the athletic director, said that at one point in time as well. That, of course, didn't happen. Then there was a report from Stuart Mandel that said the deal is not getting done right now. It's going to be end of May, early June. Well, end of May, early June, that's all come to pass. And we are now, I think, officially in the middle of June. And the June 30th deadline for San Diego State, wherein, wherein their exit fee would double from 17 to $34 million, is readily approaching. So I don't think it's impossible that the Pac-12 could get over the Big 12's media rights distribution number, which is $31.6 million per school per year under the deal that they signed, which is actually just an extension of their old deal rather than a, re- a renegotiation. And that's the key clog that, that I was kind of hinting at as to what is holding this up, right? I don't rule it out as a possibility. I don't know that I feel like it's likely, but the reason that, you know, all this time could pass and, you know, the deal doesn't get announced, let's say it gets announced on June 21st. If that happens and it ends up beating the Big 12 in a dollar figure standpoint, I will then be most curious to have, have see some after-the-fact reporting on what held this thing up. And there are a number of reasonable factors that could be driving the deal to continue to get postponed in terms of being finalized. Number one, they might have gone out, gone out George Klyovkov and company, you know, his staff and, and whatnot, gotten offers, gotten estimates, had, you know, arrangements with media rights partners and such, brought it to the presidents, and the presidents said, no, I think we can do better. And that pushes him back to the negotiating table. Media partners might have come and gone in these talks. We've heard a lot of reporting, you know, some of it believable, some of it not, about so-and-so is out, so-and-so is in, so-and-so's out, so-and-so is in, you know, in terms of bidding on the Pac-12 media rights deal. But the idea that they're going to be the first conference to partner with a major streaming entity, Apple or Amazon, and Apple appears more likely at this point in time based on what we've heard, that could be something that is holding this up because there are a myriad of complicating factors that could cause this thing to continue to be dragged out. Another factor in play here that might be causing this to go further, and this is for you know people who are in the camp that, that are believing what these Pac-12 ADs and presidents are saying, which is we feel confident we're going to beat the Big 12's number. A lot of people will come back and say, well, if that's the case, why haven't you announced what, you know, why don't you have the deal? Where's the deal, right? You don't have the deal and, and yada, yada, yada. So that's one potential reason that it is incredibly complicated to be undertaking a new venture in the broadcasting space with a company that has not broadcast college football before. The other reason is the economy, which has had some, shall we say, iffy moments over the last couple months. ESPN has been making a lot of layoffs and the optics might be hurting the Pac-12 here in terms of the deal might be really close to being done, but certain media rights partners might not want to announce it right now because they want to wait to see if the economy can be back on the upswing because if a company like Apple is involved, then maybe their shareholders wouldn't look too favorably upon undertaking a new financial endeavor that would cost many, 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 many millions of dollars at a time when the economy is not in a great spot. So those are potential, and again, I don't have an inclination as to what these sorts of factors are, 
but I've had plenty of time to think about what they could be. And I think any of these are perfectly reasonable explanations as to why the deal would take this long if they do end up beating the Big 12. Now, another explanation here as to why it's taking this long, and I'll shut up in a second, is that they're not going to beat the Big 12's number, and they've been asking around and trying to find the right combination of media partners and length of the deal and expansion teams to add that are getting them close to that number, and they're doing kind of a guess and check the way we all used to do on some math tests, which is, okay, let's input these uh, these calculations, these numbers, right? Let's run, let's run them. What do we come out to? Okay, that's not where we want to be. Well, what if we do this? Well, what if we do that? Does that change it? And seeing how that alters the outcome. So that that's kind of the most condensed, that is literally the most condensed way that I can explain where they're currently sitting. If I had to guess, I would say they won't beat 31.6 million per year. But there are a lot of people who rule it out entirely just because the deal has been taking this long. And I think there are other factors at play, as I laid out, that could be. I'm not guaranteeing or reporting anything. I'm speculating that they could be reasonable factors that are causing it to go this long that could still see them beating the Big 12's number just in media rights valuation. Well, first of all, I appreciate you for not shutting up because I thought you gave us a lot of great information. <laughs> I tried. Over that whole spell. I tried. And there, this is such a dense and complicated thing. There is so much that goes into it. There's so many factors. What we do know, there's so much of these reporters say this, this Pac-12 president said this, but this Pac-12 president said that last week. So there is just so much going on. It is a very dense situation. If you guys do want more realignment, talk to make sure you guys head over to Locked On Pac-12 podcast where Spencer does a great job breaking all this stuff down to. You see the flag in the background for those of you watching it. And uh, you mentioned the San Diego State thing. I know you just did an episode on that as well. That is a huge thing to get into. So a lot of complicated stuff there, but just the fact that there is potential based on what we're starting here now that the Pac-12 will have a chance to beat the Big 12 makes this even more interesting for Utah's sake as there have been rumors about them maybe going to the Big 12, but I don't buy those as much as some of the other stuff we've heard. It seems more likely that they want to stay in the Pac-12 based on what's been reported. So it's going to be a very interesting situation to monitor and see how it all plays out. But you know what's going to be really interesting to monitor and see is this coming Pac-12 football season because it's going to be a great season to Pac-12 football we're going to talk about if you need the best quarterback in the conference to win the conference in 2023 in a moment but first i want to talk to you guys about our friends at bird dogs bird dog stretchy khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly sculpted look bird dog shorts do the same exact thing as lululemon but they fit way better as I mentioned, they fit way better than regular shorts, and they are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird, or excuse me, they are not made of stri- strict, rest- restricting cotton. Uh, Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so good you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use an anti-stick sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Guys, I love wearing my bird dogs. I wear them to record this podcast all the time. I wear them just if I'm going to the park to walk my dog, going to watch a movie with my friends. You can use your bird dogs for whatever. They're great. They're comfortable. They're super easy to wash and take care of too. So make sure you guys go to birddogs.com slash locked on college and enter promo code locked on college, all caps, no spaces for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So once again, go to birddogs.com slash college. Enter that promo code, college, all caps, no spaces. 
Spencer, shifting our focus to the Pac-12 product that we're going to see on the field in 2023, which figures to be exceptional and a large reason for that. I know is- this is your show, but can yeah. can I make one more point on the financial component here? Yes. Yeah, I would love you to. Yeah. Okay. So I promise everybody we'll, we'll get to football, but I think this is important when you're talking mm-hmm. about making more money. You have over on the rundown here on YouTube, Utah making more uh, in the Pac-12, of course, referring to the dollar figures. We are talking about the media rights dollars and whether or not the Pac-12 can get to that particular number. Now, the decision for any school or university in terms of whether or not they want to go to the Big 12 depends upon their priorities as a school. How prepared are they to take money from other revenue sources and put them into athletics to maybe overcome a gap in media rights revenue compared to other conferences? And how much do they prioritize athletics versus the growth the growth that you are capable of seeing and have seen for a long time in the Pac-12 conference? I cite Utah on my show all the time as the best example of this because a pre- this is going on my gravestone. I say that all the time in my show as well. Presidents vote on realignment. Presidents are the people who drive realignment. They are ultimately the people in charge of the commissioners of these conferences. Kevin Warren wanted to add Oregon and Washington. The Big Ten presidents said, no, thank you. We are fine. So commissioners are 100% important, but they are not all powerful. They're much mm-hmm. like the president. They set the agenda and they determine the direction that the conversation goes. But if Congress is not on board, the president can do very little and he can't do the big stuff if Congress isn't on board. And commissioners can do very little and they can't, he can't do the big stuff unless the presidents and CEOs, chancellors, whoever are on board with him. So I bring that up to say that Utah is a great example of the other financial component of play for the Pac-12. And again, this comes down to priorities. As a, as a university, not as a football program, not as an athletics department, as a university, which is what these are. These are institutions, they're all universities. It's easy to forget that. Utah in fiscal year 2022 generated through various grants, uh, money from other schools. There, there are a lot of different ways to get research dollars for your school. Mm-hmm. They did 686 million dollars in research and i believe they've stated it is their goal to get to a billion that is money that is part of the president's operating budget that he is responsible for and that when he goes to the board of directors for the university he can look at and tangibly say we have seen substantial growth in this department for our school when utah first joined the pac-12 they were doing i believe the number was around a hundred million dollars or so So from 2011 to 2022, that is a growth of over $500 million. Now, that does not mean that the the great and the academics in the Big 12 are not even close to the Pac-12 when you're talking about recent research dollars or overall conference prestige. And that is how you're able to get a lot of funding. Cincinnati is going to be the highest valued research school in the Big 12. So... 
that is a testament to how little the other schools do in comparison. They're in the hundreds of millions, but Cincinnati's at like 560, and that's the biggest school. There are three schools, sorry, four schools in the Pac-12 currently that in the last year did at or around or over a billion dollars in research. Stanford, Cal, Washington, and Colorado. And Utah, it's my understanding, wants to get to that place. They cannot do that if they go to the Big 12 because it is very elitist. It is very ivory tower. It is who do you know? Who are your friends? That sort of growth in that area is not possible in the Big 12 at the same rate that it is in the Pac-12 when you're academically aligned with Cal, Stanford, and Washington, right? And formerly USC and UCLA who do a lot as well and are very much academic and cultural fits in the Big 10. Now, it doesn't mean that Utah wouldn't one day make that move because that is money that comes to the university in another sense, but it comes down to the priorities of the president. Because if the president looks at the situation and says, okay, we can make a lot more money over here in, in research dollars, that much is unquestionably true. The data are very clear. But that money can't just be taken and applied to athletics very easily, if at all. So the priorities of the president will come down will be what it comes down to in terms of making a decision for any of these schools. Because if they are valuing academics over athletics, you go to the Pac-12. But if the Pac-12 deal is so far below the Big 12 that you would need to go over to the Big 12 in order to close that gap, and you don't feel that you can recoup that money readily and easily, then the Big 12 might be a place where schools would have to jump. That's the last tangent I will go yeah. on in this entire show. But like that is a huge financial component and a big reason these decisions are made well you're absolutely right and i think we as sports fans get all caught up in what what's on the field the athletic component that we do forget how important because that's all we other. care about it's all it's, I, it's, it's, by the way it's all i care about i, know, I, I mean, bring this yeah. stuff up because this is how the situation is mm -hmm. this is the reality on the ground i don't bring this up because i care i mm -hmm. i could not care less how much research this school or that school or whatever does but the presidents care yeah, and I think you also did a great job just kind of dispelling a notion that is everyone just kind of thinks these commissioners maybe take they're the ones that make the decisions. And I'm sure a lot of you listening to this, you do know the presidents have a large saying, but I, I for any of you who did not know, the presidents have they are the ones that do make the decision. The commissioners report to the presidents. And I love that you brought up Correct. that Kevin Kevin Warren was the one who wanted to do something and that the Big 12 presidents went. No, big 10, yeah. Or Big 10, thank you, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's just one of those things. It's such a dense and com complicated issue. It's going to be really interesting to see if and when we get a resolution. As you mentioned, the time is ticking in terms of how it relates to San Diego State. So if you guys want more of that, make sure you guys head over, check out the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Spencer does a great job breaking it down. And Spencer, that was an incredible performance by you just outlining <laughs> all of that. Just Sorry like, to just like hijack your show. I just, no, I, I liked it. I, I well, want to I I, I give people as full of context yeah. as possible, and I'm sure a yeah. lot of Locked On Utes listeners – I know that there are Locked On Utes listeners out there who tune into my show every now and then, but mm -hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening or watching who haven't, and understanding the full context of this situation is vitally important, and I personally get peeved when people don't, but that's, I think, where I where mm -hmm. I can come in and 
hopefully be of service to people. But we can talk football now. You absolutely were. And actually, the comparison I wanted to make was how you kind of perfectly highlighted that was in a very similar way to how I feel like Nikola Jokic just played a close to perfect series in the <laughs> NBA Finals against the Miami Heat. He was exceptional. And why I remember bringing up Nikola Jokic when we're talking about football. Well, I believe Nikola Jokic is the best passer in basketball. If you guys want to tell me otherwise, you can debate me in the comments either way. But I do think it's important when we're talking about Utah football and just football in general, because there are many different ways to win a championship at the different levels in terms of roster construction. But we've seen it time and time again, where the team with the best quarterback, let's say the Chiefs in the past, have been able to win because even though the Philadelphia Eagles have the better roster in almost every other position, they have the better players. One team has the best quarterback, and they're able to overcome all those other deficiencies that their roster may have. I think it raises a really interesting question of the Pac-12, which is by far the best college football conference as it relates to quarterback play in 2023. I think it raises the question of will the team that has the best quarterback win the championship? That is obviously not what we saw last year. We I love Cam Rising. This is the Utah show, obviously. Cam Rising is not a better college quarterback than the guy who won the Heisman Trophy, but Utah is a team at a better performance overall in both those games, and I will give Cam credit. He did rise up and go up and down the field with Caleb Williams to making some incredible plays, some incredible throws. So I believe you do not need the best court. I'll just say this. I do not think the team that has the best quarterback will win the Pac-12 championship in 2023. How do you feel about that? I, I don't think that there's ever been a season in which you've had to have the best quarterback, either as a pro prospect or in your own conference, in order to win the league. And mm-hmm. proof positive was Utah a season ago. Cam Rising was not the best quarterback. Caleb Williams was. Cam Cam Rising a year ago <laughs> was was when yeah, not even top three, probably fourth. Yeah. But it, it's not as if it was you know, like he was always just like right there. Like, no, there, there, there's a gap between the guys who are ahead of him and where yes. and where he sits. And he is a good player. But, you know, the guy that I, I think about all the time as a conference champion and a guy who played in a national championship game at quarterback is Nick Marshall. Oh, wow. Nick Marshall at Auburn played in that season where – they had the uh, the kick six. It was twenty thirteen, yeah, fourteen. It was Auburn's the last iteration. <laughs> yeah, the last iteration of the BCS. The kick six and the fourth and eighteen miracle against Georgia, both of which happened at, at Jordan Hare Stadium down there at at Auburn, who come up to Pac twelve country to play Cal this year, where I think they're going to lose. But and we'll cross that cross that bridge when we come to it. But that if that quarterback can win the SEC. <laughs> There is no world. If Stetson Bennett can win two national championships in a row, there is no world in which a dominant, you know, Marcus Mariota, Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is is required in order to win the conference. Now, the team around him has to be very good. Yep. It has to be exceptional. But I think year in and year out, we see the we see the team that wins does not possess the best quarterback in in the conference. You know, I'll I'll draw on, you know, the team that I know best, Oregon. Mm -hmm. If you go back to their Pac-12 championship teams, in 2019, they had Justin Herbert. He was very, very good. I forget which quarterbacks were in the league then. He was probably near the top. Yeah. If you go back to 2014, Mariota was clearly the best player in the conference, right? Mm -hmm. If you go back to 2009 and 2010, their quarterbacks were Jeremiah Masoli and Darren Thomas. And in 2015, 
They had a guy by the name of Vernon Adams who was really, really good. They didn't win the conference that year, but they easily could have if Vernon Adams hadn't gotten hurt. Darren Thomas was a good quarterback. He was a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. He was not the best in the Pac-12. Andrew Luck was the best in the Pac-12. But when Darren Thomas and Luck went head to Darren Thomas went 2-0 against Andrew Luck. Luck, who went on to have a Pro Bowl Hall of Fame caliber NFL career cut short because of injuries. Darren Thomas, who never sniffed the NFL, I think played in the Canadian Football League for a while. That is, I think, the greatest example of what we're talking about. And it, yes, it's a different era of college football now, but this calculus is still the same. If you have a team around a quarterback, you, you have to have good quarterback play. Don't get me wrong. You can't go out there and yes. you know have the 10th best quarterback in the league and win it all. Like that, That's not going to happen. But you don't have to have the best. You don't have to have the second best. And, and, uh, and honestly, I don't think you can even get too caught up, especially in a league like the Pac-12, of with, with, with things like, oh, you got to have a top four quarterback link. No, you don't. You have to have good enough quarterback play for what you are doing as a football team, for what is being asked of you. Oregon State was yeah, wildly successful last year yep. with Ben Golbranson. Yep. With ben, if you lined up Ben mm-hmm. Golbranson as a starting quarterback right now in the Pac-12, he would be 12th. I am yeah, not kidding. I, I he, might, right. he, might, he might be above uh, whoever Stanford ends up starting. Yeah. Or but maybe he's, other or maybe than that. 13 when San Diego State joins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But other than that. You look at, you know, even Sam Jackson at Cal, Drew Pine at Arizona State. I'd take all those guys. I agree. Over, I would take Shador Sanders. I would take Cam Ward, Jaden Delore. Go down the list. I'd take all of them over Goldbranson, right? Mm-hmm. Delora was a much better quarterback than Ben Goldbranson a year ago. Guess what? Goldbranson had the better team around him. So, uh, long, long story short, you do not need the best quarterback in the league to win. And I think that's true in every conference in America. And I think it's true in the NFL as well. Yeah, it's one of those things where, look, the Chiefs have been able to win, but they obviously also have other great players. Tom Brady didn't win it every year. Mahomes doesn't win every year. It's one of those things you can use it to overcome other things, but you're absolutely right. More times than not, the best quarterback doesn't win, and that's definitely the case at the college level. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, and it's going to be very interesting to see how the Pac-12 football season plays out. We're a few months away from that, or I believe just about two now, just about two officially. We're coming up on the we're getting on there. the two-month anniversary. We're getting closer, and we've got uh, more media rights news, so make sure you guys head over to Locked on Pac-12 if you want more media rights talk where spencer mclaughlin as you covered over there locked on pac 12 spencer appreciate you for joining us anytime jt appreciate you we'll be back tomorrow talking about and reacting to the preseason all-american teams and all pac 12 teams and some utes were on there michelle bodkin of ksl sports will be joining us to talk about it on tomorrow's locked on Utes. we'll see you then